TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. All right, welcome to Score North Twin Show. This is Five Questions. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, a special guest, three time All Star former twin, Glenn Perkins. Glenn, how are you? How's the family? Uh, I'm good. We are good. Uh, younger daughter's getting over pneumonia. We didn't actually have her tested, but uh, she had some pneumonia, the cough, all that stuff. So, uh, but we're, we're all doing good here. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that uh, everyone else does what they're supposed to do and, and that, you know, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, maybe. Yeah. You guys handling, I mean, quarantine, basically, you're, you're keeping your social distance, I assume, as a, as a true Minnesotan. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't really had a problem, um, you know, whether I'm at the farm or I just got up to the cabin day, so I'll be here by myself. And, uh, you know, that's all good. Turkey season starts tomorrow. So, um, <laughs> you got your plans to social distance, uh, you know, so hopefully I'll find a bird at some point here in the next couple of days. But, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're doing good and, and really not having much of a problem. I, I think just my, you know, my nature, uh, a lot of Minnesotans nature is just keep yourself. And, and, uh, you know, I, I I'm fine with that. I, I FaceTimed a few people. I, I text with people, but, uh, I, I'm not a guy that needs to have a lot of people around, you know, as long as I got my, my, my ground blind and I got my fishing boat, I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> okay. So that was question number one here on five deep questions is what are you doing with this delayed 2020 baseball season? Sounds like some hunting and some fishing in your future. Yeah, the hunting the hunting will start tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow because I'm up at the cabin, but I'll get back. I will get back tomorrow. I'll get my decoys out, and then I, hopefully I can find one on uh, on Thursday morning. I think today's Tuesday, and so to, yeah, so I'll get my decoys out tomorrow, and then hopefully Thursday I'll have one of those in the bag, and then come back up. The weekend's supposed to be nice. It's been cold, obviously everywhere, and, and we're a little bit up north, so it's been colder here. But the lake is open here. The water was in the mid 40s. Uh, once it gets up over 50, the crappies are going to start biting. So. I think I'll be doing a little bit of crappie fishing and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good. I can walk down to the dock, uh, catch some fish, come back up and, and I don't have to go to the grocery store. So, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good way to, it's a, it's another good way to avoid people. I eat turkey at home and I'll eat crappies up at the cabin. There you go. Life is good. Uh, I know you're a guy that has a lot of hobbies, always have been. And, uh, this question is about craft beer. One of your probably more famous hobbies uh, we were talking to Joe Bauer the other day, and he says, not a big craft beer guy. If I drink beer, I stick more to the light stuff, which was the most surprising revelation that I've ever heard about Joe Maurer. But, Glenn, you are more into the hoppy stuff. You are into uh, all kinds of beer, and craft beer specifically. Question number two here on Five Deep Questions. Do you remember your first craft beer experience or, or a memorable experience that sort of deepened your passion for it? Wow. So this is going to, this, this is going to sound a little bit bad. Um, but the so I don't want to get anybody I, in trouble here, Glenn. No, you know, it's just myself. The first time I ever had an IPA, uh, we were in Detroit and we had gone out. We, we don't stay in Detroit. So we were in, in the town where we stay and we had gone out that night and, you know, had a good time, all those things, ate dinner and had some beers. And, you know, I was always like a Coors Light, Bud Light and a Golden Light guy. And, I got back to my room and there was none of those beers in my fridge. What was in there was there was a bunch of like hard alcohol and stuff like in the little mini fridge. But what was in there was uh, two hearted the, from Bell's. 
the with the trout on it. The, it you know, they're like classic IPA. It's one of the yeah. top rated beers in the world. And that was all that was left. And I want another beer. I, I wasn't done for the night. So I was in my room by myself and there was two of those in there and I drank them and I was like, gosh, that, you know what? That's not bad. And, uh, so that was it. That had to be, man, I bet you that was 10 years ago that that happened, but, uh, that was it. Yeah. I was, I was like the light flavorless beer guy. Um, and then had, had a couple two hearted and, and that's kind of what got me going. I haven't opened this yet, but I, but I, since I'm in Wisconsin at my cabin, I've got, uh, the one and only spotted cow. Yeah. So that'll be <laughs> what I have later on today. Um, but uh yeah my introduction uh to craft beer was was bell's two-hearted which i i won't even drink now i don't like it uh i, I think my palate has changed and i moved on but um that was the first non uh light beer and or guinness that i had ever had so from two bells two-hearted alone in a hotel room from your mini fridge to brewing a couple of beers with surly over the years that's that's a coming of ages story. <laughs> that's yeah. It's it's crazy how it happens, you know. But uh, that's the, that's the path that I went on. I guess I don't Amazing. know. I, uh, yeah, I had those, and I was like, you know what? There's a lot of good beers out there. And now I, I you know, the best thing is, um, I always, whenever I go to the store, I buy the same stuff because I know I like it. And every once in a while, my wife will, will go to Total Wine or whatever and get like a mixed six pack. And it's stuff that I would never, ever otherwise try. But I've always liked them. And I always say, you need to do this more often because at least it gives me the opportunity to try, you know, I'll, I'll go buy a whole bunch of Black Stack. You know, that's one of my favorite breweries. I'll buy a bunch of Surly, you know, new stuff, whatever. And uh, so it's nice when I kind of have an opportunity to drink something else that I wouldn't buy, but it's there. So I, so I drink it and she does a pretty good job. So she's definitely uh, broadened my, my horizons to, to what, craft beers out there variety is the spice of life um a lot of people want to do baseball on this show glenn so i'm not going to steer clear of that i uh, make your big league debut i believe it was september 2006 um fenway park i don't know if you remember specifically the first day or if you have like a memory of walking through the doors of the clubhouse but in general what was your first day in a big league clubhouse like whether it's surprises or just what memory sticks with you today yeah i mean i i guess there's a few things. I, I think one of them was, you know, I, I was excited you get to the big leagues and everything's going to be nicer. And I didn't know what Fenway Park was like. I didn't know what that clubhouse was like. Um, and I was, it was the smallest locker. I was in the smallest locker and I was sharing with the bullpen catcher, uh, Nate Amundsen at the time, um, in, in a locker that was no joke about 10 or 12 inches wide. And everybody's just crammed in that place. There was a, there was a post right behind me. So I had to take my chair and move it out into the locker room to get my clothes on. Cause there wasn't enough room in the corner where I was, where I was stuck. Um, and then, uh, I was there. I want to say that I debuted on the 19th, but I got there. I want to say like the 17th or 18th was my first, you know, day in the big leagues, I guess you'd say. Um, and you know, I, I remember a couple of things. I remember warming up and you know, I, I you get warm in like two pitches because the adrenaline is just going is through the roof. Yeah. And then uh, you know, I'm warming up and and I'm throwing everything like right at the cat, you know, the catcher stand there. I'm throwing everything like right at his chest and, and Steli, the, the bullpen coach at the time, says, you know, hey, everything that you're throwing now is is here. And he goes, When you get out there, you think you have adrenaline now, everything's gonna be here. So why don't you try to throw everything down here? 
Because when you get out there, then everything will be where you want it. And uh, kind of helped me calm down a little bit. And then um, I got out on the mound. And I remember that place. It, it was it was, uh, it was a close game. We were losing maybe 5-3 in like the seventh or eighth inning. And uh, there was two outs. It must have been the seventh because I went out and pitched the next inning too. So it was the I, I'm going to say it was the seventh inning. And we were down like 5-3. And I get out there, Carlos Pena's coming up to bat, and Gardy just, like, ho-hum says, like, here you go. Like, didn't say, like, congratulations, didn't say welcome, nothing. Just, like, gave me the ball like I'd been there a million times. Joe was catching, Maurer, and uh, I, I threw Carlos Pena three fastballs. And I think he took the first one, and I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't feel my legs when I was warming up. I couldn't feel anything when I when I threw that first pitch. Um, and... I think he took the first one. He swung through the next two and I struck him out. So it was two outs. So I run off the field and I'm like waiting, like kind of with my glove out as I'm running off for Joe to like throw me the ball. And he chucks it up in the stand. <laughs> like just, you know, again, like, 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 like this isn't my major league debut at Fenway yeah. Park. And, uh, you know, so, so it was funny. We ended up getting the ball back oh, okay. uh, from somebody, but, like, I remember, like, I'm, you know, I'm running off, like, looking at him, like, hey, like, throw me the ball. That's my first, you know, batter and all that stuff. And he just ran out the field and, like, just threw it up above the, the stands or up above the dugout. And I was like, I'm going to need that, that <laughs> ball back. Yeah. Well, and he probably didn't do that on purpose, knowing Joe. He just was, all right, we got the out. Now we'll go get our ups next half inning and we're good yeah, to go here. I mean, yeah, that was it. It was just everything was so matter of fact. Yeah. You know, as if it was my 300th appearance in the big league or something. He was like, okay, well, that's the end of the inning. You know, some fan can have the ball. Hilarious. Um, you know, so that was uh, so much that something that was, you know, 14 years ago now or whatever. It, 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 um, you remember it like it was yesterday. You yeah. know, it, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. And, um, you know, it doesn't seem that long ago, but uh, here we are. Yeah. Along the same lines, it doesn't have to be baseball, but given your – profession i'm sure that it will be do you remember glenn the first time that you were starstruck oh boy i give you mine if you want to think about it i was eating at a pancake place and i saw phil lodeholt walk in when i was a little kid and phil lodeholt was an enormous human and i thought that's not right that we're the same <laughs> you know he's up here and i'm down here uh but you know then you get into professional sports and you realize oh yeah all of these people are super athletes and they're just people too. Yeah. I guess I would say, um, uh, the, the, the biggest one, well, it was that it was the spring of 2006. So before I, I debuted, I faced Ken Griffey Jr. He is some, for some reason came down to, to, uh, the Reds were in Sarasota at the time. And for some reason he came down to Fort Myers. I don't, you know, the guys like that don't usually travel anywhere, but, who knows? And I, and I faced him. I think the biggest one, though, was because that didn't really count. Um, he hit a chopper down the third baseline for a double. Uh, he was laid on a fastball. Um, but was facing Frank Thomas in the playoffs in 2006. So I came up September and then uh, made the playoff roster. And so I was out in Oakland. Brad Radke started. I came in after Radke, and I faced Frank Thomas. And I remember uh, – that I'm like, I'm out of the mound and his shoes are like, 
size forties, you know, like just, just yeah. enormous. He's an enormous human being. And he was like the guy, you know, he was one of those guys in the nineties, like that I grew up like, Oh my gosh, the big hurt. Right. And I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like out there and I'm like, and I remember thinking like, I, I'm pitching in the playoffs and Frank Thomas is a matter of like, how did this happen? Like, like what is going on right now that I'm facing Frank Thomas with his gigantic Reebok moon boots that he's wearing and I'm pitching to him in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> So maybe not like starstruck, but it was it was just that moment where I'm like, like this doesn't seem real. Like the, like yeah, this doesn't yeah. this doesn't add up. I, I don't belong out here pitching to Frank Thomas. So, Remember how you did? Um, he hit a flare. He hit a flare to uh, right field over the second baseman's head for a single, and then uh, you probably got in on him though, jammed him. No, it was I think it was outside, and he like oh, really? it off the end of his bat. Um, and then I faced Eric Chavez and he hit a rope off the left field wall. And I don't know if it still is, but back then it was kind of like Fenway park with the monster where they had, um, like a scoreboard up there. So like it was metal and like the ball would bounce straight and, uh, the ball bounced funny. I don't remember. Shannon Stewart must've been playing left field and he picked the ball up and Frank was going from first to third and rounded too far and got, picked off at like back picked at third base on the relay. Um, and I ended up giving up a run too. I, I, I don't know if I actually got anybody out or if the only out I recorded was Frank on the bases, <laughs> but I do remember throwing a fastball down and away to Eric Chavez and he just ripped it to left center field. Like it was nothing. Um, but then Frank got caught in a run, not even a rundown, just Frank got back picked and sure. <laughs> was was picked off the base paths. Well, I tease you, but you're part of the club of 19,000, and even fewer of those guys have pitched in the playoffs. So you got that going for you, Glenn. Um, I am going to embarrass you with question number five, the final one. I know you uh, dedicated the Glenn Perkins Family Performance Center to benefit the University of Minnesota baseball program, um, so raise some money to help that program out, build a nice facility over there. The broad question, question number five here on Five Deep Questions is, why did you feel strongly about supporting the program that you came through um, and, and maybe the guys that made it impactful for you? Well, you know, it, it's it, there's so many people in my life that I wouldn't be where I am right now without them. Um, the biggest one is is Todd Oaks. And, uh, you know, so, but, but that whole program did so much for me, um, you know, and meant so much to me, to my family. Uh you know, and, and so from, from, from TO 14, Rob, um, you know, those guys guided me and, and, you know, it, it was so much more, I had a good relationship with those guys when I played there. But then when I, when I left from the time I know that's where I, when I talk about going throwing every, you know, every year, the first Monday of December, I went up there and I would go up there four days a week and I'd go up there and, and throw, and that would take 20 minutes. And then I would sit in there and, and talk with those guys for hours on end. I, you know, I, I'd end up eating lunch there most of the time. And so, um, you know, what they meant to me, what they did for me, uh, I, I mean, I think it's only right that you give back, um, you know, no matter, no matter what it is. But, um, you know, it just – it never felt like – you know, I, I remember talking to 14. I had donated some money, and, and uh, then I got a call from one of the, one of the other – uh, a former player and said, Hey, you know, they're, they're trying to raise some money for this stuff. And I'm like, why don't they call me? And, you know, so 14 called me and was like, Hey, uh, you know, we're trying to do this thing. And basically it was, you know, what do you need? 
what are you, what are you asking for? Just tell me what you're asking for. And it's yours. Um, you know, no questions asked, just, you know, I, I, I've been waiting to do that. I, you know, I, I wanted it to go. They had so many fundraising issues over the years where, you know, people committed money and then it didn't go where it was supposed to, or it, it, it didn't end up following through because of different stuff, you know, bureaucratic stuff at the year or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I, he called me in and I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a two minute conversation and, and it was basically, what do you want? And, and, you know, uh, what's it going to go toward? And, and I'm happy to help out. So, That's great. um, you know, those, those guys mean and have meant so much to me, um, in my life and my career and, and, you know, father, all three of them, father figures and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, you know, it was a no brainer for me. And, and then I didn't do it to get a name on the building. It just, yeah, I guess, you know, they had said, Hey, you know, you donated some money and one other guy donated a bunch of money and he doesn't want anything. Do you care if we put your name on the building? I was like, no, you know, I guess not. That's yeah, cool. If that's what you want to do, go ahead. So, um, it's kind of how it worked out, but, uh, yeah, I mean, those guys, like I said, it's been so much and, and it was the least I could do to get back. Todd Oaks, the late great TO, uh, 14, John Anderson and 12, Rob Fornasier, uh, longtime Gophers coaching staff sort of collective there that sounds like help brought you up through the program. Yep, absolutely. Glenn, thanks so much for doing this. I look forward to when we can sit down again in the future and talk Glenn Perkins on baseball, talk about some actual Minnesota Twins games going on. But in the meantime, really appreciate you taking some time to do this today. Absolutely, man. I cannot wait for baseball to start. I, uh, I don't want to say I dreaded baseball season every year. I just knew what it entailed, that it was going to be a lot of time away and it was going to be a lot of work. But uh, I don't know if I've ever been more excited for a baseball season than I am for this one. It's going to be glorious when it does come back, hopefully yeah. soon. All right, Glenn, be well, man. Good talking with you. Thanks, Derek. Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here for my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons, powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. It's Mackie here, and during these uncertain times, your team at Federated Mutual Insurance Company has kept a strategic focus on policyholder service. They've been directing clients throughout the country to the information they need on written pandemic policies and procedures, recommended response plans, and communications to employees. If these resources could help your business, please contact your local Federated Marketing representative or visit federatedinsurance.com. As a mutual insurance company, Federated believes their value is measured by the success of their clients. Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.